still not sponsored by Duncan. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Good morning, hey. everyone. It, it I thought I might have a technical problem, but we didn't. So He's like, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to have a technical problem. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Yes, good morning, everyone. It is the Woodworking Morning Show. I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And we're going to talk about woodworking. We're going to answer questions. We're going to tell you about this thing. The dice Tower. Dice Tower. We're talking about woodworkers fighting cancer. We're going to talk about Matt's project that's coming up in the Guild yep. today, in fact. Mm. Man, it seemed like October just... Boom, happened. Well, the last six months Boom. has been this weird time paradox <laughs> yeah, where yeah, in yeah. some ways it's going slow, in other ways it's just zooming right by. Uh, but you know what? We're here. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're happy and healthy. And uh, we're going to do a show. He's going to answer questions. That's what I do. I'm going to take questions in the YouTube chat. We also have Patreon questions that were uh, pre-selected, pre-selected yes. <laughs> over on Patreon. So if you're like, how do I get my question answered? Lots of ways. Yep. And also, we now have the membership thing yep. uh, over on YouTube. So we want to just thank all these people, uh, both on Patreon and YouTube, who <laughs> helped us out. Cave Troll, Jacqueline Johnston, Jim McGinnis, Fred. Fred! Just Fred. Cummings Woodworking, Horace Raper, Matthew Lee, and Andrew Slaughterback. Thank so, you. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, all right. So a couple of quick announcements here. Well, so, before you do that, yes, Robert Price, just a super chat, said, on time, Kit! This can't be a good sign. Uh, you know, <laughs> the day's all downhill from here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. Uh, okay, so real quick, match dressing vanity. Yep. Uh, this is a project in the Wood Whisperer Guild. And excuse my bad technical uh, presentation here. It's, we're still visible behind the picture. <laughs> look at vanity has arms. Oh, look at me. Okay, so this is a project in the Guild. It is currently being released as we speak. And uh, the price is still the low price. The right? low the price. The discount pre-order price. Today's the last day. So if you don't jump on this now, the price, whoop, goes up after and this I will, point. And I will say the new way of how we release the Guild videos is very nice. I was right, is what you're saying. I can caption everything all at once. So mm-hmm. uh, I just got all of my professional captions for the vanity that I'll be uploading after this show. So yeah. if you, when this is released, is it released yet? It'll be released today. Later today. They'll all have captions just like that. Yep. Boom. Yep. So with Darth Dweeb, where you been, man? He says, congrats. You got the 1080 stream working. It's been for like two months. No. Yes, Nicole, I'm trying to win an argument here. Okay. <laughs> side with me. <laughs> Whose side are you on? Are you on Darth Dweeb's side? I'm on the side of truth. Oh. Justice. <laughs> All right, Picard. Relax. All uh, right. Okay, so... <laughs> what else we got going on? Okay, we Be also sorry. have... Uh, hold on. I feel like our volume's just a little hot. There we go. Okay, we also have the SketchUp course. This yeah. this is one that people are getting super, super excited about. That came out of, like, nowhere. It, it was did like... come out of nowhere. We sneak attacked y'all with it. Uh, my buddy Brian Benham, who does all of our... Uh, drawings for the mm-hmm. free site. He he's does them doing, all for the guild. He's been doing those for years yes. since we were in Arizona. He is also a, uh, a co-contributor sort of to some of the designs. Uh, I, I run design ideas by him because he's very clever with his designs. Uh, so this is a course 
that's in the guild right now. It's a pre-order for the next two weeks, and yep. then it releases on the 16th. Uh, this sucker is 35 bucks right and now. And that gets you full access to all the guild memberships. So vendor discounts, all the interviews. The yeah, you guild are meeting. a member for life. Like 35 bucks gets you into the guild. Boom. Yep, Professor In Benham. The Facebook bit. Plan B said it. Professor Benham. <laughs> uh, so it's a really good course if you wanted to get into 3D modeling and SketchUp. And look, uh, the 3D modeling software world is um, it's kind of rough right now. It's like shifting. Uh, Fusion 360 just had some changes that took away features. Uh, SketchUp has always been changing over the years, but they're no longer supporting their desktop version. This is completely focused on the free web version. So if you've tried that in the past, that has gotten better. Uh, and this course will show you how to use that to your benefit. So I put a uh, link in the out. chat for anybody who's curious to read more about that, that mm -hmm. um, project. Yep. Apple Opina just project. asked, is it the web-based version? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's we, the free version, right? Yeah. So in the future, we may move on to more advanced topics that use the desktop versions or the pro version. But uh, right now, we're just focusing on the free stuff. We want you guys to know how to use that because we give you plans that also include SketchUp files. You just answered Paul uh, Bolton's question about are you going to get more advanced? <laughs> okay, well, there we go. It's almost like I, I know what people are going to ask. Mm, there you go. Okay, so you want to talk about this real quick. Yep, um, Dice Tower. The Dice Tower video just released this morning. I just did the premiere. Just dropped it. Like, just a couple minutes ago. But if if you were a YouTube member at the $5 level or saw it yesterday. a Patreon at $5 level, you saw it yesterday. Yeah, we're doing early releases there on content. So anyway, everybody can watch this now. This is my little dice tower project that I did. Uh, if you're not familiar, you drop dice in it, and it's got a couple of ramps. It knocks them around, and then it contains the dice once they roll. Uh, you can also store in here. You could even put the dice in there. They won't fall out as long as you put it in the right way. Um, and you could drop it in like this, and now it becomes portable. And what was my joke? Now everyone can see that you're a total nerd. Stop. You'd be nerd. like, look at me. I'm a dork with my dice. I like it because you can my you dice can hold, hoochie. You can, it's a carrying case, too, for I your wanna, dice. Can I call it a dice hoochie? A dice hoochie. Hoochie so, mama. This video is out now. Uh, there is a plan for that if you're interested. It's like five bucks. So he made three of them. Yes. Uh, we're giving two of them to our friends who do uh, D&D podcasts. So so if you're interested in Dungeons and Dragons and want to hear some pretty cool campaigns, uh, Scott Johnson does There Will Be Dungeons, mm -hmm. and so I'm going to be sending him one of them. And our friend uh, Steven Schleicher does Critical Hit Yes. over at Major Spoilers. We should have made one for Rodrigo, too. Uh, well, we could send it to Rodrigo. We could Rodrigo's tell Steven to give it to Rodrigo. <laughs> hey, Steven, touch this for a minute and give it to Rodrigo when you're done. You think he'd like that? Yes. <laughs> Uh, and this, I, I decided before we went live, um, our auctions go for Woodworkers Finding Cancer. Every year, we've been doing this since 2010. Mm -hmm. We skipped one year because my father passed away. But we've been doing it every year, and we've raised over $100,000 for various uh, cancer charities. This year, we are supporting St. Jude Children's Hospital, Research Hospital. Um, if you go to 32auctions.com slash WFC2020, you'll see all the auctions. Or you could just go to woodworkersfightingcancer.com and you'll see the link there to go to the auctions. Yeah. Uh, I, we had a lot of companies give us things for these auctions. I would like to thank them. Let's okay. thank them because you haven't done the video yet. <laughs> Are you going to do a video? Maybe. Eh. Let's just see how the day goes. Let's see so, where it takes us, Nicole. 
have lots of things planned. <laughs> I today. have 20. I'll have 21 because I am going to list the dice tower. Matt Cremona gave us a cutting board to auction off, so you can own something from Matt Cremona. Oh, how generous. Yes, we got Bruso. We got gift certificates from Bruso. Look at the picture of Matt, too. I know, he's so cute. I wonder when Matt will transition to not looking like a baby child. <laughs> Probably when he's 60. <laughs> like when he cuts, every time he cuts his hair, like normally he's got the, the little more of a scruffy yeah, look, yeah, right? Yeah. Makes him look older. But every yeah. time he cuts his hair, he looks like he's 12 years old. And I wonder at what point in his life, like at 40? Right. At 40, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I'm like, I got a list to get through here. <laughs> I got stuff to do. <laughs> I got stuff to do. I just want to make fun of Matt all day. So we want to thank Fuji Spray. Rockler gave us two items. MLCS gave us, um, a, oh, I need to update that listing before it goes live. Uh, Powermatic gave us a bandsaw to auction off. Is that the 14-inch bandsaw? Uh, it's the 14-inch. Oh, man. That's awesome. Tybon gave us uh, four gift certificate bundles. Bell Forest gave us a full wood package for the Rubo. Like, oh. boom. So even if you don't build the bench, you got a lot of wood. A lot of wood. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Woodpeckers uh -huh. gave us... Our good friends at Woodpeckers. Yeah, they gave us three items. Wow. So I, I have them all listed at the top. You can actually um, search them pretty easily now. Great. So thank you to all of those companies uh, for gifting these um, great prize well, auction items. Yeah, well, in the past, we used to try to get companies who would sponsor the event, so they would do what we do. Basically, everybody who builds yep. uh, the, the child's or the, the what, do you, what do we call it? The kid's desk? The kid's desk. So yeah. that is the project for this year. Yeah. It's already been released. It was released back in August. And if so you made one. If you've already made one, just send me a picture from the submission form on woodworkersfightingcancer.com and we give five bucks. Yeah, so we donate money per finished project and we used to do that with companies, but as it turns out, companies don't like this open-ended, we're not sure how much we're gonna yeah. owe when this yeah, is done. Yeah, yeah. So Nicole came up with the idea to start doing auctions instead and it's a win-win, right? They give a product out, they mm -hmm. are only out the cost of that product and then you get a great tool you may wind up paying full price, but all that money now goes to charity. charity. So it's it's like a win-win-win. Yeah, Nicole. a win-win-win. Oh, and I went ahead and put the ultimate guild um, project list. So every single project that is in the guild, if you, you win that, if you win that auction, you get it all. And if you're a current guild member and you already have projects, I will credit you that number of projects for future projects. That's awesome. So, man, that's like a, that's like a million dollar prize pack, Nicole. Round three thousand. Okay, so I'm pretty. pretty Round three thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, should we do some questions? Hey, today? yeah, we got lots of questions. Uh, that's really what we're here for, right? So Matthew Lee wrote in, he says, what made you decide to switch the guild membership from yearly subscription to buy a project in it for life? Uh, laziness, mostly. Uh, when you have a subscription model, there's the expectation that you will produce content on a particular schedule. And I got to the point where I wasn't sure how I'd be able to do that moving forward. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to do it on a schedule and give people enough money for their yearly subscription. Uh, I also didn't like the fact that when a year would roll around, people would forget that they have the subscription. This is actually something like if you get into marketing and things like that, this is why subscriptions are so popular mm -hmm. because it's a great way to get money from people and they don't even realize it. Like a lot of people just honestly aren't checking their statements. They may not even pay attention. So, like like uh, Matt 
Cremona and his Audible subscription. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if anyone saw that, but Lindsay posted something about how he had it for over like a year. Almost a year. And hadn't listened to any books. <laughs> 15 bucks a month. Way to go, Matt. Uh, but subscriptions are that kind of thing that like if you want to make a lot of money as a content producer, do subscriptions. Yeah. Right. Because you'll get purposeful money and you'll get accidental money. Uh, I didn't want to do that. I really didn't like people being billed automatically for things that they, no. they forgot we about. Never automatically build anyone and we needed a way to pay instructors and that's what it came down to with guest instructors a subscription model is really hard to maintain because how do I share revenue with them uh, in a way that makes sense right so that's why we abandoned that and I still mm. think it's um, I would like to do something subscription based in the future if possible but I just don't see a path to getting there it doesn't make sense for our model Gazang said, when do I get an email about winning the my jet drum sander I'm yeah. sorry Gazang uh, Brian um, I don't, I, I posted it on the widget. Mm -hmm. I've already contacted Brian. Sorry if your name's Brian. You're like, oh, no, it wasn't you. I've already talked to Brian. He won the jet, a drum sander. Okay. But I'm hoping to do another giveaway in November. Yeah. So. Okay. okay. Uh, Aaron Jensen says, and we got two questions here relating to cherry. And I just finished up some cherry. Oh, I thought I said charity. No, cherry. 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 Uh, so both of these deal with cherry and blotching. Um, Aaron says, I've got some really figured cherry that I'm turning into a box for an antique coffee grinder. How do you make the wood look as old as the hardware, from stains and gels to distressing and finishing? I'm a bit overwhelmed. Okay, I'm not really a specialist in, in uh, distressing, um, other than distressing the coal. It's something I, I actually excel at. Uh, but when, when distressing wood... There's lots of weird things you can do to it. There's ways you can apply stains and, uh, you know, just sort of a black schmutz that can kind of just make it look a little bit older. That's just not my thing. Um, I don't have a lot of great advice for that, but look into things like toners, look into gel stains. There are techniques you can use to kind of just apply a little bit of what looks like surface dirt on the surface. But you're dealing with cherry. And the cool thing about cherry, which relates to our next question, is that it does blotch. If all you did with something like this was put a little bit of boiled linseed oil on there, uh, let that soak in, wipe off the excess. That's going to give it a sort of uh, matte look, but you're actually going to get a blotchy look as well. The cherry will absorb more oil in some areas than others. That blotchiness with just an oil finish is going to look pretty classic, pretty old. And then over time, as you use it, and we're taught, what do you say it is, a coffee grinder? As you actually use it and make coffee with it, it may wind up getting dirty and it might get coffee grounds on it and your hands touching it will apply oil from your skin onto it and that kind of burnishes the surface. And over time, I think it will actually, in a fairly short amount of time, look like it belongs. I don't think you need to take a set of chains to this thing or screwdrivers or an awl to prick holes in it. You can do all that stuff if you want to, but I don't know that you necessarily even need to. So um, again, not the best person to give distressing advice, but I actually think less is more in this case. I wouldn't do a whole lot to it. Let's see. Well, Just, let me continue to the next question because oh, it's related questions. to blotching. Okay. I got a super chat there for you to do. I'll hold that there then. Uh, Lark Atkins says, I'm finishing up the miter station build and started to apply Danish oil. Uh, it's a Watco natural. And I've got these weird splotches along the counter edge band. What did I do wrong and how to avoid this in the future? Is it blotching? The wood used was cherry. 
cherry blotches. That's what happens. So especially if you just put an oil, this is what I was telling Aaron to do because I think it makes sense in his case. Uh, if you just apply oil, which is really kind of what that Watco Danish oil is, it's an oil varnish blend, um, you're going to get those light and dark spots that people call blotching. Uh, so in this case, on a miter station, on the edging, don't worry about it. It's just a shop tool. And frankly, I actually think a little bit of blotch kind of looks cool. Um, in the future, if you really wanted to avoid it, there are ways that you can employ what they call blotch control, right? So you can use a pre-stain conditioner. You could use something like Charles Neal's conditioner mm -hmm. is a great product for that. Sometimes just using a film finish that dries very quickly, like a lacquer, something that doesn't absorb deep into the wood, that's a great solution to avoid blotch in the first place. So all those things are possible. My best suggestion for you is to kind of get over it. I don't mean that in a uh, sarcastic There's, way. He still um, yeah, they do still sell blotch control. I'll link to Charles Neal's blotch control in the chat and show notes. Yeah, it's a great product. Um, so what I mean by get over it is the fact that like any piece of cherry, the cherry is just beautiful and over time it ages and, and it starts to warm up. You start to see that blotch a little bit less over time. So I encourage you to not get too hung up on the, the blotch prone nature of it unless you're going to stain it. If you stain it, then I think you might want to do a little bit more in a way of blotch control. But a clear finish, I would just leave it as is. I just did my mom's whole table with Rubio. It's all cherry. It's blotching all over the place. And I've got, I've got pictures on my Instagram account if you want to take a look at it. It looks gorgeous. So if you, if you look at that table and you go, Ugh, then maybe it's not for you, <laughs> but I think it looks good. So, uh, you know, I get over it. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's what, uh, oh, what's my buddy? What's my buddy's name, Nicole? Your good buddy. One of my buddies. <laughs> I got so many buddies. I can't remember it anyway. Uh, with, he, with he, effort, he used to say something. Uh, just told me that four eyes is doing a table making contest at the same time your campaign is specific as a specific design. Yes, ours is very specific, uh -huh. but theirs is open. So technically, people could build ours and enter it over there too. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want you to do that. Well, hold up. What is there? They're having a contest. Yeah, Four Eyes is doing a table making contest. Well, that's good, but my design isn't winning any contest. No, no. <laughs> so if they want to build my design and put that into the contest, all the power to them. But guess what? They ain't winning any prizes with that design. The design was purposely intended to be simple, easy. Uh, let's call it non-elegant. It was a means to an end. So they could yeah. do that all day long. I'm sure they're not going to win Ava anything. loves the table, by the way. Good. It really helps us focus on her schoolwork. I'm homeschooling our daughter, by the way, yeah. <laughs> during the day. Um, okay, I got a question here from TTOKC. TT, super chat. Thank you. Super chat, yeah, thanks. I plan to make five jewelry boxes I for Christmas. I bought the jewelry box plans. What? Who's, what? Turn Seven? off your phone. Well, look. I'm an important person. I can't. It, it could be anybody. So um, you bought the jewelry box plans. Draw, yeah, jewelry box plans. I plan to make five for Christmas uh, and weighing the pros and cons of the spray sprayed-in flocking versus peel-and-stick velvet. Thoughts? It's personal choice. Mm. Some people like the velvet. I have trouble cutting it to size, um, but it is more mm. consistent looking when, when you get it right, all right, when you get those corners cut really nice and sharp. Uh, flocking is easier in the sense that you just kind of, wherever you put the adhesive, the flocking material will stick to it. And inside corners, none of that is a problem. Flocking. The problem you might run into with flocking 
is you kind of get, you can get bare spots. Yeah, I can kind of see. If you hold like, it in the right light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a little bit of a little ball patch. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's thinning. Yeah, it's front. not truly a ball patch. It looks like the back of, uh, it looks like Millie's back. Yes, it our, does. Our dog has always had a like, condition where she has like lighter hair yeah. in a couple areas. She's thinner. It's a little thinner there. <laughs> so that's one thing you could run into with flocking that people don't like about it. Um, and you have to be careful about masking off the areas you don't want flocked. But when it's done well, I actually think flocking looks amazing. It just looks so clean and perfect if it's done right. Uh, it, but the, 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 the sort of adhesive-backed material is also tempting, but you've got to know how to cut it right. So hmm. personal choice. And there are so, a lot of people who hate flocking. So I like there's it. that. I like it. Uh, worth the effort clarify. He said contest, meaning build a table, you get entered for giveaways. I don't know. I can't find the link for what what you're well, talking about. So I don't know if you can put a link in the. Honestly, though, who cares? <laughs> Build a table. Build a table. Yeah. Get into a contest. Enter a charity. There's all kinds of stuff going on on the line Whatever. right now. Uh, TT said to add to my question, how about durability of the flocking? That's a good question. Yeah. I I mean, you're talking about a jewelry box. Yeah. Right, or something like a jewelry Avis box. is doing fine. I um, shove a whole bunch of crap in that. Yeah, generally speaking, you're fairly gentle with these things. It's not like you're putting flocking on the inside of a shop drawer, right? So uh, I think durability-wise, I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't do a lot to try to abuse it. Um, what would be more durable between those two? Probably the velvet. Well, I don't know. I would. I th- honestly have no I idea. I would think the velvet paper because well, it's like a... And also, if it gets really damaged, you could replace you could pull the paper. Out. You could pull it out and put some new stuff in. You can't reflock in. this? Not without considerable trouble. It is essentially glued to the wood. Yeah. And you can't kind of like do just the bottom. I think this looks more professional, though. If it's done well. Yeah, yeah. If it's done improperly, then so it test, looks bad. Try testing the flock. See how you do with it. Because mm-hmm. I actually like it more than the, the sticky peel paper. Okay, next question I have is from Alex. We're on finishing today. Uh, He says, I may have a dumb question about applying film finishes. People talk about sanding between coats, and I'm assuming they mean hand sanding. Should I use the same grit, like 400 or 600, in between each coat, or should I increase the grit with each coat? Uh, Does the same process apply to all film finishes, no matter the application method, or are there outliers that have variations? Okay, there's a lot of answers to this question. None of them are totally wrong. You might find someone who likes to sand between uh, grits with just 320. That's what they do. It works for them, and it's fine. Uh, a lot of people will also increase. You know, So after the first coat, you sand with 320. After the second coat, you sand with 400, and you progressively work up as high as you feel you want to go. For me personally, when I do a film finish, I might hit the first coat with the 320, then after the second coat, bump up to like 400. And at that point, I don't feel the need to go any higher than that. So if I'm sanding between coats from that point on, I'm probably not going to go higher than 400. You could stay at 320 and it would be perfectly fine. Uh, but I do like going to that 400. It could change depending on what your goals are and what finish you're using. But most film finishes will respond well to that kind of treatment. So, um, But again, there's like a hundred different ways you could uh, you could approach this and they would all probably still get you pretty close to the same result. Uh, now, if you're going for something like a really high polish sort of finish, it's a little bit of a different story because then you really want to work up to higher and higher grits. And a lot of times you pile on your finish and then kind of hit it after you have a nice thick layer, then you start working up in your grits and you're not really putting any more finish down on the surface, you're just abrading the finish that exists on the surface. Before I forget, Michael Lusk, I hope you're feeling well. I know oh, yeah. he, he couldn't make it today, and he's, 
he has a doctor's appointment. Mm. So I hope you're doing good. Uh, Brad, don't scroll past that. That was a super chat I want you to read. Brad Snipes. Brad Snipes, yo. Snipes, yo. Uh, hey, man. Hey, man. How do I become self-employed? Do you have any idea? Well, the easiest way to become self-employed is to quit your current job. Yes. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I don't recommend that method, at least not initially, but that is, uh, that's, that's how it begins. I mean, honestly, there's been a few, like, a few people. Didn't Matt Carmona lose his job, and that's when he started? Maybe, yeah. I, I think there's say, something like that, like, like a layoff or something. Yeah, something happened layoff-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't do it that way. So uh, I had a, f- a full-time job where I traveled a lot, and you you started you started doing stuff on the side yeah, just to I mean, kind of build up your skills. My, the way I handled it is like with a security blanket. I wanted to make sure I had a lot of work, and I was working nights and weekends and still had a day job. And uh, I had to prove to myself that I would actually have enough in the way of client work to justify having a full day Uh to work in the shop. And it wasn't until that point that I was comfortable saying, actually, I was never comfortable leaving my job. (laughs) No, I had to force you. (laughs) Yeah, Nicole really forced me to do that. Uh, But it wasn't until I proved to myself that I really could keep busy Uh um, that I was like, okay, this might actually work. That's just me. A lot of people are more like, just jump into the deep end and follow your passion. And I'm a little more practical. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Prepare, plan. Uh, I see that you are paying with a pound for your super chat. So you are in Europe and mm-hmm. you may have different rules as far as woodworking, apprenticeships, journeymen. Like there's a whole a more regulation, regulation there, skill trade sure, I could see in that. different parts of the world. So um, I have a, a friend who lives in England and he picks up tools on the side and refurbishes them but it's a side thing that he does yeah so i mean it it just all depends uh look into any small business resources that are in your area talk to other um self-employed people Mm -hmm. uh small business people and just learn from their experience there's a lot to being self-employed that doesn't even involve your craft well and for you you need to know that stuff you don't have to worry about healthcare. (laughs) that's what that was one of the huge things when we first moved uh, when I quit my job, it was like, okay. Well, with me, it wasn't so much of an issue because you had a job that covered us both. Right, but so then the when I stopped. So the spouse was always helpful. But yeah, when you quit your job. It was like. Then it was like, okay, okay now insurance do- is now a big issue yes. for us. So in the in the United States, uh, health insurance and benefits is a huge part of work. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a spouse yeah, or someone. having a job. But it's I, one of those things that's a painful realization of self-employment yeah. is, you know, if you've worked for someone else for the longest time, healthcare just was like, okay, well, this oh, is our insurance. Even, yeah. It's just not an issue. But then once you're self-employed, you're now in a different market. You have different rules. It's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. But again, that person is in Europe. But yeah, look locally. I'm sure you have resources at your disposal. Yep. And also, I'm going to give you one big warning. Uh, careful with your online resources about self-employment and things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people are very quick to tell you how to succeed uh, doing, let's say you want to be a woodworker, right? They'll tell you how to succeed as a woodworking business, but what they actually have is a content business. They don't have a woodworking business. So it's a little tricky to take advice from someone who doesn't make their money building furniture for clients uh, when they're telling you how to succeed making furniture for clients, mm-hmm. right? So be careful of who you listen to because there's a lot of pie in the sky 
uh, sort of advice mm-hmm. um, that I don't think is... Which um, is why you don't like to... Which is why I don't usually give business advice <laughs> because I don't make my living building furniture for clients. I make it doing this weird thing that we yeah, do, you yeah. know, talking to people and teaching people. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Alex? Corey. Or did you already do Alex? Oh, Corey. Corey Pelton. Oh, Shadowlands is coming, Corey. Okay, my last project ended with a couple of less than stellar bridle joints due to glue seeping into the end grain and me not catching it. Uh, It took more work than I'd like to admit to clean them up. Do you shellac your end grain before glue-ups? I do not. Usually I don't. Most of the time, uh, the end grain post-glue-up is accessible and the glue typically isn't going to absorb so deep that I can't sand, scrape, or plane it out. So normally I don't, um, but it's conditional upon having access. Easy access to the end grain afterwards. Are we going to play Shadowlands? Yeah, like we usually do. We'll subscribe for a month, <laughs> play for a week, and then forget. No, we about usually it. play for a couple couple okay. months. Also, do you have a go-to method for sanding hard to reach areas? Uh, he goes into detail about inside corners and things like that. Uh, I think you nailed it there, Corey. I, there's only really a couple of choices. Inside corners are difficult with power. Um, you usually do have to go in there by hand, scrape or hand sand with a block. Best course of action is to get those areas sanded before you do the assembly. So if you have a, a, some casework, try to get those parts sanded so that you don't have to get into that you know three-sided corner um, with, with hand sanding and get as much of that done ahead of time. Did you see the super chat from Dan S? What's up? Scroll up. Boop, boop, boop. Keep going. Keep going. There it is. Okay. It highlights it. Dan. Dan, Dan. What's it? The cupcake man. The cupcake man? (laughs) No. What's the actual difference between Osmo Pollux oil and top oil? Finishing the gaming table, what benefit is there to using top oil over Poly X or Pollux? Pollux. Uh, I don't know for sure because it's it's been a long time since I've actually used uh, Osmo. I've been really favoring Rubio. Um, simple. I think it's a simpler product line, and that's why I kind of gravitate toward it. Um, to my understanding, the top oil for Osmo is just a more durable end product that you can apply more of a uh, substantial layer to. So if you're doing like a kitchen cabinet or something that requires that higher durability, I believe that's the main thing is you're probably going to get a more durable surface out of it. Uh, I used it with a roller and applied it. So it actually was a fairly substantial film uh, and that worked out great for me. So, you know, look into it a little bit deeper, maybe talk to Osmo themselves or look at the product pages. Um, But to my knowledge, it's, I believe, a food safety component to it and then also just a durability component to it um, so that you can uh, use Pollux oil as your starter coat and then kind of finish with the top oil. It's not a really great answer because I'm not that familiar with the product. Uh, I got a question here from Randy Phillips. He had emailed me and I just remembered I had it. Um, He is interested on your advice on how to sand the edges of round items, coasters, ball makers, that we make at a production volume. Ball makers? Uh, ball makers. He says he, that he does, um, what is it? Oh, I don't know what he, uh, the website. Uh, custom wooden products for the golf industry. My brain was going in a totally different direction. <laughs> ball makers. Uh, okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Nicole will get mad at me if I, if I take this tangent. All right, all right. I'm not taking the bait, all Nicole. Right. Okay, I'm baiting. He says, I have an oscillating spindle sander, and of course, we can sand by hand, but I'm wondering if there's a way to do this that I'm missing. Yeah. 
It depends on, like, if you're talking a sphere. Yeah, so I think so. It's round edges. That's a little bit different. But like, if we're talking about something like a coaster that's round, yeah. um, you can come up with things like for a disc sander, even the spindle sander, you have to have a way to immobilize uh, a platform. And I don't know if you could afford to do this with the design, but if you can get some kind of a pin or a hole at the dead center of your coaster, you can actually put that on a platform and spin it around, right? And if you could do that, mm -hmm. you just get that edge up to the, you know, a disc sander is one of the best options for this, and rotate it around. That keeps it nice and concentric, keeps it nice and round, but sands that outside edge consistently, and you don't have to do it by hand. I don't know if that's going to work, though, because it really requires you to have a pinhole in the center mm -hmm. of, like, maybe the underside of that coaster, right? But that's just one solution. You're talking about other things, like, a ball holder, I, I imagine, was, <laughs> is a scoop yeah, out. Yeah, that's Dang. tricky, man. How, well, do you, how do you sand that outside of? Or hand? like he said, golf. I'm thinking like little wooden balls, and I'm, all I'm thinking is like a what they do with the bowling balls, where they <laughs> oh to wax them up, wax them up. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. Uh, I'm I'm picturing more of like a dish out uh, yeah, so that the yeah. golf ball can drop into it. You know, there are sanding, soft sanding things that people have. Um, I think Arbor Tech. Oh, ball markers. Yeah, not ball. Did I say ball maker? Yeah. It probably does say marker, and I just didn't read it right. So there, there's there's different things that you could have that have soft surfaces that you could sand with. It but is. you have to be careful not to change the shape with those, right? So, oh, I don't know. It is a marker, question. not a maker. Okay. Ball maker. Ball. He says ball marker. Marker. Okay. <laughs> uh, did I even answer the question? I don't know. Uh, he was just looking... For ideas, so if you have anybody watching, leave it in the comments if you're watching this live. But if yeah. you're watching this live, uh, give them give them a suggestion if you have a way to sand. That's always the case, by the way. I am rapid fire answering questions with zero preparation. So if there is ever a time, I hope you guys already know this, that you have a better answer than I'm giving. That's what the chat room yeah. is there for. Yeah. You know, we really rely on you guys to keep me straight here. <laughs> sometimes, look, sometimes just crap comes out of my mouth and I can't help okay. it. I, I, but I don't, uh, I don't lie. You know, no. I'm never uh, going to be dishonest about my answers. Okay. Alrighty. So Richard has a sister who wants him to make an entry bench for their wedding. They're going to have people sign it. Uh, it's made of white oak. Okay, so... You love these questions. I love these questions. We do get this a lot. Yeah. I don't know exactly what the perfect formula is to write on a surface and then be able to seal that in. Now we do a little thing for the for certain Patreon yeah, levels. Yeah, a per Patreon level where you sign a piece of wood Yeah, for I me. take a piece of scrap from a project and I sign it and say, you know, thanks for supporting us. And uh, the way that I do this is not necessarily what I recommend, but it works on a small scale, is to just, uh, I use like rattle can lacquer, give it a nice seal coat, and then I sign it with a Sharpie. What that does is it prevents the Sharpie from absorbing into the fibers, keeps the ink on top of the lacquer, and then I seal it back in with lacquer. The problem is, I think if someone dwells a little bit too long on that surface, you could have a little reactivity between the lacquer and, um, and the marker. And then when you put that next coat on top of it, you have to put a very light dusting coat because if you soak it in, you might reactivate the marker. That's a lot of conditions for you to have to worry about with potentially, you know, tens of, you know, however many signatures on this thing. So look into it again, chat room. I just mentioned it. I need you guys to give me suggestions for this because when I do this on a small scale, it's no big deal. It's one signature, one small piece of wood. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a immediate. better method for like a non-reactive way to get that signature on top of a sealed surface and then 
put another coat on top of it to seal that stuff in. And I don't know that lacquer and Sharpie marker is the way to do that. Mm. This might be a, a time to go to an art supply store yeah, and, and see if you could do something. But I know people in the chat have had to have done this and have some advice for him. Yeah. Okay. I got a question. I got some questions I've been pulling from yeah, the chat. Uh, Kenneth Dunn said, should the bottom of a cabinet scraper, a Stanley 80, be flat? Mm -hmm. I bought one at an estate sta sale, and it's slightly Ah, oh, an convex. estate sale. <laughs> yes. Yeah, That's Spanish for estate sale, yes, Nicole. Yes, estate. <laughs> so okay. he says it has a little bit of concave. Yeah, so this convex. is, um, it would be ideal for it to sit flat, but if you look at that surface, I'm going to try to catch the light just right. That's uh, right on this edge and right here, you should see areas that are high areas. Okay, those are areas that I was not able to flatten. So I will take this guy and run it over uh, sandpaper on a flat surface and try to get that as flat as possible. But you can see it's not perfect. It doesn't have to be absolutely perfect, but the flatter it is, the better off you are. So if you are getting poor results, you're getting a lot of chatter, uh, you're unable to maintain flat surfaces, things are just going wonky, then do that. Get some sandpaper, get a flat surface, plate glass, a piece of granite, your uh, table saw top, um, and then just go back and forth with it. Do your best to try to keep even pressure and flatten this thing out. It's kind of the same thing you do when you try to flatten a plane. Um, you just want to get it as flat as possible because that's going to give you better results in general. But if you're scraping and everything's going fine, then maybe you don't worry about it so much. It, it you know, if you got extra time on a weekend, then then go for it. Uh, let's see, Thomas has a question. Yes. Mark, composite nails. Do you or can you use your existing equipment? How do you pronounce that? Phenomic? Phenomical? Uh, Phenom we pronounce that pneumatic. Pneumatic. Okay. <laughs> well, let's for now on pronounce it phenomical. <laughs> or electric. I need to get a new type of gun. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> composite nails. I don't know. I've never used composite nails. Mm. So, um... What's a, what is a composite nail? Well, there's metal, yeah. right? And then there's composite. <laughs> Is it like plastic? It's like made of other schmutz. Yeah. I don't know if they're, I think they're plastic, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I don't know. So I, I've never used them before. I don't really know for sure if you could just pop those into any any old, um, what'd you call it? Phenomical? <laughs> I don't know if you could just pop it into any phenomical nailer. Shut so up. I don't really know. Yeah. Man, this is one of those days where the chat room is, it's all is right. uh, helping me out here. Uh, you got it, just got a super chat from Joseph. Scroll up a bit. Up, up, up. Yep. Keep on, Hold on. There it is. Keep Aww, on. Scrolling. Thanks, Joseph. Oh, great. You're welcome. Uh, what, what Joseph was, says, thanks for the router bit advice. Worked like a champ. What was the advice? So he's doing um, some gorgeous shop cabinets. Ah. So I don't know, I don't know, Joseph, if you want people following you, but he's got an Instagram account. Look him up. Uh, and he's doing just a gorgeous set of cabinets um, that are just shop cabinets, but he's putting like love and attention into it. Um, and he had a little bit of flush trimming advice that uh, he needed to do uh, for his bench top, and it looks fantastic. And I'm a little bit jealous. You tell Joseph. people to follow him on Instagram, but you didn't say what his Instagram. Well, was. because I don't know if he wants people to uh, follow him. Okay. So I'm I'm just saying, if you dig hard <laughs> enough, you could probably find the guy. But I don't necessarily want to, you know, blurt out his uh, Instagram account All right. without his permission. This is true. All right, I got another question here. Do you how many Patreon the way, questions do you have? Joseph got himself a rec tech. Oh, and he's enjoying it. Yeah, we can take that conversation over to the after show. Okay. What was your? What'd you say? Do you? Where are you at with Patreon questions? Oh, I got one more. Show me. But it's another one that I don't have a great answer Adam. for. Uh, okay, I'll give you uh, Nicholas. Hold on, I gotta get naked. 
It's getting warm in here. Hey, we're going to have these shirts soon. They're going to be a thing, y'all. Mark, Mark's mom is on it. Yeah, mom's here. So we're getting t-shirts made. We're getting morning show shirts. We're getting wood talk shirts. We're getting wood whisper shirts. We're getting guild shirts. We're getting, getting wood whisper, or, um, woodworkers fighting cancer yeah. shirts. We're going to have some shirts, guys. We're going to have lots of shirts. Uh, oh, Joseph says it's Joseph underscore Mensch on IG. Okay, well, there you go. Here, I'm going to add that. Joseph, Boom. you're going to get a few more followers, buddy. <laughs> you can check out what he's doing. So Nicholas wants to know, hello from Los Angeles. He has a big green egg table question. Anything you would have done differently? I'm thinking of using cedar and was wondering if I should modify the joinery slash finish. Cedar is a little soft. Mm. Um, and this is something you got to be concerned about with a heavy item like the big green egg table. So the only thing I might have done differently, I might have just for safety reasons given myself just a little bit more room around the egg. I think I allowed for like a half inch on each side. Um, I don't think you can be, you know, if you get to the point where stuff is dropping in there, that's not good. But I don't know that this is an area where you could be too cautious. Uh, you don't want the wood to be right next to the ceramic, right? So give yourself, you know, a little bit more room there just to be safe. Um, and especially, you know, I use Sapili, and after talking with uh, my buddy Shannon about it, he said Sapili in particular is a slow burn. It's a difficult wood to get to burn. Like some some wood will just go right up in flames, right? Sapili is one of the woods that takes a long time for it to ignite. It's got a lot of resistance. Um, excuse me. It's got a lot of resistance to igniting, and it's a good choice for this. But even then, I just don't feel comfortable seeing that wood get really, really hot. So that's about the only change I would make, is making sure that it's um, got enough room there. But if you're using a softer wood like cedar, I don't know. I don't know how much I trust it, because what I did was I built mine, stood on it, and really got a sense for how confident I'd be and how well it could support that weight. You're doing that with cedar. I don't know for sure if you're going to want to reinforce it. So there are ways to reinforce that bottom shelf with more cross pieces that would be something you should consider. Lorna, hopefully you're in the chat room seeing all the requests for the different types of shirts. Well, you know what else we got a request for? Um, the Babinga shirt. I wore yeah. it the other day and I had at least three or four people ask if they could buy it. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of stuff to do. Got a question here from Derek. He says, hi, Mark, for the gaming table, could you use milled four, four by four? Is that four and a, mm -hmm. four, or is that four, four quarter? quarter? Four quarter stock for the tabletop itself. I have many 10 uh, 12 inch wide cherry boards I'd like to use up if cupping won't be an issue. You could. You know, when you, what he's talking about is the gaming dining table has a false top on it. Basically, it's a lid and it sits inside a, a rabbited, lid. you know, uh, frame. So using solid wood in there, as long as you are allowing for expansion and contraction, you don't want to go there one day and be like, oh crap, I can't get the lid off because mm -hmm. it expanded too much. You definitely can use solid material there. Um, I did it on the, the, the coffee table version of it and I just gave myself a lot of extra room and those pieces do move. Uh, there are also ways you could look into like using springs or um, soft material between them that take up some of that slack but still allow it to expand and contract. So there are options. Yes, you can do it, but you do have to watch it. It, it could definitely cause problems over time. Well, there we go. <clears throat> what else we got? Um, how are we doing on our time? How do I... We got a few more minutes, Nicole. How do I ban somebody in the chat? Well, you go to you got to do it in a because I, I, I I'd see just that. hide them on the channel. Hide. <laughs> what's that? What's that turd saying? I don't know, but he can go away. Bye bye, <laughs> bye bye, troll. <laughs> 
All right. Um, let's see here. I got a question from Matthew Walton. So many combo sanders are disc sanders and a belt sander in vertical configuration.、Mm -hmm. When would I use one versus the other? Well, here's the thing. I've got one. I never used. <clears throat> excuse me. I never used the belt. And in fact, one of the things I'd like to do this year is talk to Powermatic about doing a giveaway on my、uh, disc combo sander and getting myself a bigger disc sander. Right, so there are other ways you could do this. If you have one of those big edge sanders, those I think are pretty handy to have. A big disc sander that gives you a good amount of real estate—that's a good thing. But the combination belt disc sander does nothing for me. Right, all I use is the disc on that one, and because it's a combo machine, the disc is fairly small, so it's not as、um, useful as it could be for that footprint. Right, so.、Um, there are people who probably do use that. So you might be asking the wrong person here, but personally. I don't really use the belt side of it, so I think you should get something else. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alrighty. Did、good? you did you do、uh, the last Patreon question? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. Sorry.、Uh, that's from Adam, right? Yeah. So Adam wants to know about、uh, making a coffee table out of sugar maple.、Uh, his wife wants a herringbone pattern on the top.、Uh, let's see. So he wants to know: Should he make? The herringbone pattern out of solid wood, or do something where he glues that to a stable platform.、Um, I've never made one before, but I would be more inclined to go onto a panel, a stable panel. It just seems like a better way when you have wood going every which way. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> and you want that thing to behave. I would absolutely recommend doing it in a more veneer style.、Uh, I like that method better. But again, another thing I don't have much experience with. I've never done a herringbone pattern. Then he had a question about this. He wants to know about making a triple miter joint or a three-way miter.、Um, Telling you, Nicole, another thing I've never done before. I've never made、I'm、a three-way miter. I was really surprised to hear that.、Mm -hmm. You've been doing woodworking for a while. Yeah, but sometimes they're they're just joints you never get a chance to do. This is an article on fine woodworking called、uh, something simplified three-way miter joint, and he's asking how I might approach it or if he should use the domino. Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but I think you should look at this article. I think this one shows a more traditional way, but also you could see those little splines in there. Those are plywood, so that might be a cool way to accomplish this joint without driving yourself crazy.、Um, so let me see. Do I have the ability to put the link there? I do not. Anyway, Google simplified three-way miter joint, and that's going to give you some suggestions for that. And with that, Nicole, we are done for today. We're done. We're done. We don't have any more questions. Jeff, I just wanted to say to Jeff. Jeff had asked a few times if we offer private、um, lessons. No, we never. We didn't do it before COVID, and we're not doing it after. So, just something we don't do. Well, my shop is attached to my house. Yep. There's liability, safety, security concerns. So that's why we we don't really do that. Yep. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up today. If you are a five dollar or higher、uh, member or patron, there is an after show. There is,、right? and Nicole is going to put that link out there、I'll、for put, you guys. I'll put a. All you have to do if you're already on YouTube, go to the Wood Whisperer page under Community tab, and you can get to the show that way. Yeah. If you are a Patreon subscriber、uh, at the two dollar level. Yep. Um. 
I'll put a link in the chat. And the after show is a little bit more off topic. We talk about video games, movies, whatever. Just Star stuff. Trek. You, you can ask any questions you want. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about Star Trek. It's an ask anything show. Yeah, so we will see you guys then. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget Matt's project uh, is going out of presale yep. today. And the intro to SketchUp will be going out of presale in a couple of weeks. You still got time, but don't delay. It's there waiting for you. Uh, we've got Woodworkers auction Fighting Cancer auctions. Starts at. Uh, one o'clock our time. So yeah, one o'clock our time is when the auctions go live and they will run for two weeks. And in fact, the build, we're keeping Woodworkers Fighting Cancer to two weeks this year. I don't, yeah. I don't have It's a time. simpler project I too. Need, it needs to be simple uh -huh. for me to manage it. <laughs> so two weeks for the auctions, two weeks for the submissions of the desk. Um, again, Everything you need to know is woodworkersfightingcancer.com. Yeah, and Barbara had a quick question. Is that called a bridal joint? I believe she's talking about the three-way miter. Mm -hmm. No, it's actually called a three-way miter. There might be other names for it, but that's the most common name that I know of. A bridal joint is a little bit different. That's when you have your two pieces that come up like this, and then you have the male that comes in that way, right? It's a little bit of a different joint, but that one is called a three-way miter. Okay, everything else? Uh, mm -hmm. Apo Apino wants to know if he's banned. No. I think you should know the answer to that question. You're at, if you're asking a question and, and still I read talking, it. I didn't ban you. You have not been banned. <laughs> All right. So thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will catch you next week. Bye. See ya.